Women Taking the Lead, episode 107. I think entrepreneurship truly is a living organism, like you're creating a third entity. And so if you see it that way, where it's constantly breathing air into it and building, yes, does it create money for you? Absolutely. But that's why you see entrepreneurs who are like literally billionaires constantly keep doing what they're doing. I mean, they don't have to because it's the journey of entrepreneurship that they love. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Heather Ann Havenwood, who is the CEO of Havenwood Worldwide LLC and Chief Sexy Boss. She's a serial entrepreneur and is regarded as a top authority on internet marketing, business strategies, and marketing. In 2006, she started, developed, and grew an online information marketing publishing company from ground zero to over $1 million in sales in less than 12 months. Heather Ann currently is the author of Sexy Boss, How the Empowerment of Women is Changing the Rulebook for Sex, Money, and Success. And Heather Ann is a smart, sexy, savvy, and now stepping out from behind the curtain to educate, enlighten, and empower women entrepreneurs to grow or start an online business and live a fearless and fulfilled life. Heather Ann, that is only a little intro for everyone. I know for sure that there's a lot more to say, but tell us a little bit more about yourself and your own humble beginning. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So, um, Thanks everyone for listening. So my name is Heather Havenwood and I guess I got started, um, you know, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, but really, you know, I started um, in the information marketing business because one day I saw an infomercial and so, and I was broke and I had just finished college and I just gotten fired from a job. So I kind of started in this business in a disadvantage and I went to this infomercial one day, the infomercial saw it on, on the TV and I went to their seminar and I sat down and they said, do you want to own your own business? Do you want to control your life? Life, and I'm like 25 years old, you know, and uh, and I had I had about thousand dollars left on my credit card, and I signed up for this seminar, and I went to it, and I ended up actually working for the company, and so I started traveling around the country, and I think that I started in this business, information marketing and entrepreneurship, on accident, but I don't really think it was truly an accident. I think it was definitely driven by a higher source. But my humble be- humble beginnings is this: is like I didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur until it kind of it presented itself. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life until it kind of showed my, the road showed that this is what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So, um, I didn't really have anyone growing up to say, this is what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. I just kind of fell into it. So here I am (laughs) many years later as an entrepreneur, I'm 100% um, unemployable. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I've, I learned that along the way that I'm 100% unemployable. Yeah, I think a lot of people who who are were either entrepreneurs from the get-go yeah. or the entrepreneurial bug bit them, yeah. they realize they can't go back. Yeah, you can't <laughs> go back. After you uh yeah, after you have been an entrepreneur for so long, you're just I've tried. It's interesting. I have over the years. I've gone back. I've tried to go back to corporate America and uh, I've been fired pretty much five or six times from corporate America. And however, the first time I ever had when I was 21 from corporate America, I was number one in sales at the t- whole country. Um, and uh, then I was fired. <laughs> 
So it's just an interesting, I think people, some people are born sometimes to be a, a leader or be an entrepreneur, but they don't know it. You know what I mean? So until they step into their own, then they can learn how to be it. Yes. Or it's something they, they need to become in order yeah. to live out, you know, whatever they want to call it, their mission, their dream, their purpose. That's what happened to me. I was pretty happily in corporate America thinking like even when I transitioned, I would probably find another job. But when I found coaching, it was very clear that I would need to start my own coaching business. And it was just like one, it was like a shoulder shrug. It was just like, okay, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and off I went. Yes. To become a I understand coach. that completely. 100%. So, Awesome. Heather, so clearly, I mean, to go from like 25 naive, maybe I should do this, discovering you're unemployable to, you know, having done all these crazy things. And I know this like 1 million in sales in less than 12 months and yeah. a startup. That's probably just one example of what you've done. And you've definitely gained confidence in, you know, your ability as an entrepreneur and your ability to guide and encourage entrepreneurs. But take us back to a time when you were playing small. You may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Thanks for that question. So because I was in the information marketing business, let me kind of get a sense of what that looked like. So I was in the seminar business. So I traveled around the country with a team and it was me usually in men, right? Two or three, four men. And um, I was traveling around the country doing events and seminars where we would go to a city and then we would sell something in the back of the room for two and three and four thousand dollars. And I worked for a company at the time where it was one of the top information marketing seminar companies in the country. And I, I was a freelancer for them, you know? And so I remember I'm in the, the van, right? I'm in the van and the top guy, like the, the owner of the company, he's, I'm the only female on the team. There's three other counterparts are males and I'm the fourth and I'm the only female. And he looks at me like he's like, looks at me and he says, you know, you better, you better step it up or something like this. Like you better make the sales, like looking at me and I'm, I'm like, I, I know I've been doing okay. Right. I think I've been doing well, but I just, I just kind of downplay myself. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. Did I do something wrong? I was really upset and thinking this guy doesn't like me. He's going to fire me. You know, I'm back in my head's going on and on and on. So we went to the event and it's a four day event. And I'm busting my butt, right? I'm like calling people out of the room. I'm going to these one-on-ones and I'm just, uh, what I do is I pull people out and I have these conversations. It's kind of like coaching and I'm moving people into um, a higher level seminar up to $12,000, $15,000 with the product that I'm selling. And I'm just, I'm just like back and back and back and back. And it's like day three. And his daughter, who at the time was like the running CEO, who's, this is a woman that you don't want to talk to. Like she she comes up to you, you want to run away. <laughs> She's scary. And she walks up to me and she like pulls me aside to this private room. And she just looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? I'm like, what did, what did I do? And I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, my sales aren't high enough, whatever. And she goes, I don't know what you're doing, but you pulled in in three days over $120,000 in sales and your male counterparts have pulled in total of 10,000. So what are you doing? And I, I literally was like, I I, I don't know. She's like, well, whatever you're doing, keep going. And then she like gave me like a grand because we're in Vegas. She gave me a grand in cash. She goes, go have fun tonight or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, like I really is so downplaying myself that I was so focused on just, you know, proving 
that I was worth it, that meanwhile, I was kicking butt, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that I was kicking butt. And so I think we as women, specifically, we try to go overboard on in like proving ourself to others. And sometimes it's it's to our advantage. And sometimes it's not, you know what I mean? And um, that was one place in my life that I really kicked back and go, wow, I'm actually really good at what I do. I just don't really take I don't acknowledge myself because I'm constantly feeling like I have to to catch up to the boys club. You know what I mean? So that was how I felt at that time. Yeah, you were more than capable the whole time. Yeah. You just didn't realize it. And we call it the slingshot effect, right? Where you have to pull the the sling back yeah. to create tension in yeah. the band to shoot forward. And this guy, I mean, I don't really think he was doing this for your edification or your motivation. No. You know, like essentially had that effect on you where it just nudged you enough to make you feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not doing enough. I'm not pulling my weight. And then next thing you know, you put in a little bit of effort and you're killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean to downplay it. I bet you were hustling. Oh, I was, I was hustling for three days. It was nonstop, but it was just interesting, you know, and, and still she just kind of had this, what do you do? When she said, what are you doing? I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm in trouble. What did I do wrong? You know, she's like, no, really, let me explain. And so she told me and she's like, whatever you're doing, like you're, you're rocking it. You know, and this is the first time this person's ever spoken to me. So I'm literally shaking in my boots, you know, and uh, she's like, I'm, I'm proud of you. It was like there was a moment of a woman to woman moment. Like, I'm proud of you, but I can't say that, you know, so. <laughs> right, right. I need to be very serious. Yes, and she was. Like, so what are what you are doing? What are you doing? I'm like, Whoa, you know, so. <laughs> I love that. And what a great opportunity to realize that you can do it. And I think sometimes if we could put ourselves in that situation where it feels desperate, right? Like I'm about to lose my job. This is like everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh my God, I need to do something. And all of a sudden we pull from ourselves what was already there. We were already capable of it. So uh, I love that story. And Heather, now share with us a time in your journey where you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share uh, with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Well, so, it, and I share this in my book. So it, I call it from bankruptcy to sexy boss. So at that time, I had, after the I built a business from zero to a million dollars, it was me and a business partner where um, this, there's two lessons here. One, I built a business partner for, for our business partner. It was, it was a man. And I was like, he was the face and I was that supporter type as a female. We're very good at building and supporting. And I did that very well. And I supported built his business while he was the, you know, the king of the hill. And uh, I came home one day from an event and everything was gone. Um, computers were gone. Merchant accounts were gone. Uh, everything was gone. Bank accounts were emptied. And, you know, I had nothing left except the bills. And literally I was forced into foreclosure and bankruptcy within 30 days. I had nothing. So uh, that was like my first you know, aha of like, I'm never doing that again, where I'm building somebody else's company. You know, I'm not doing that again. I, I, I did it in corporate America and I promised myself I wouldn't do it. And then here I am doing it again. You know what I mean? I built someone else's company and that company today, almost 10 years later, is still valid and still rocking it. He's doing very well. So that's one piece. The other piece is after I, that happened, I had to go through bankruptcy and foreclosure, lost everything, lit in my car and moved to Marco Island with a friend. Marco Island is this tiny little island. And here's the real wake up call. So it was like a tiny little island. It's two miles by one mile. It's this beautiful island in, in South Florida. 
And I lived there for about a year, kind of doing nothing, you know, just like living, kind of looking out into the ocean every day, not sure what happened, um, moving through my own emotional spaces on everything. And the average age was 80. Okay, so there's not a lot of young people <laughs> on the island. The, the island's designed for retirement, meaning what I call the American dream that we're that we're all kind of told one day you're going to quit work and you're going to retire and you're going to live on an island and you're going to live out your life in happiness. Like that's kind of this American dream that's been sold to us, right? For years and generations. And here I am living on this island where people are like living that, you know, like they're living this dream we call retirement in America. And what I, what I noticed, right, what I noticed is that, you know, the people, first of all, the, the, the Marco Island was pretty segmented, meaning, you know, on the right-hand side, right on the ocean, you could get a, a two-bedroom condo for $2 million, And then literally across the street, you could have like a cute little two-bedroom for like 150 Okay, so your massive difference in social economic, right? But they're both retired, and they're both on the island, and they live across the street from each other. But one's in a $2 million property, and one's in like... $150,000 property. Nothing's wrong with either one of them. I just notice that they're both retired, they're both the same age, and they're both hanging out together. And what I realized is that the 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 person who's reti- quote-unquote retired, who had some kind of business where they're still kind of involved in, like they're entrepreneurs, they're the ones moving and shaking and doing stuff and playing tennis and golf or whatever. But the ones that like had some kind of government job, you know, that like all of a sudden one day it was over, like there was nothing to live for. And they were the ones that were, were more sick, you know, like they were, it's almost like they didn't have anything to live for. And I realized in that moment that there was no place to get to. We all end up in a box, whatever your $2 million, $100,000 box is. And I realized that entrepreneurship, it's not a place to get to. It's a place of a journey. It's 100% a journey where you look back and go, look what I accomplished. It's it look what I accomplished, not where did I get to? You know what I mean? And so I found that really interesting. That was the aha moment that I woke up to and chose to move to Austin, Texas and start again. Mm. Because I knew it had nothing to do with where I ended up and it mattered what I did while I was here, the accomplishment. And um, so I just just really love that analogy because I really just saw it really wasn't how, where you end up. We all end up kind of in the same place and ground. I mean, you know what I mean? But we all, where do we, where, what's the accomplishments we have while we're here? It's the journey. Mm. Mm. And I love how your perspective changed. And then all of a sudden you had all this energy and motivation to get back into the game. And what's so funny that your story is almost like an analogy. Like you went to a retirement (laughs) island to check out for a while. I did. You know, to just, and I love how you said that, to just move through your emotional spaces and look out on the ocean. It must have been a great place to just kind of recover, lick your wounds, reassess, reevaluate where you were, where you wanted to go. And it's so true. There is, you know, sometimes, Heather, you know, between you and me, I think even in the world of entrepreneurship, you can kind of separate out the people who are looking to make a buck, you know, like it's quote unquote a buck, and then be done with it. As opposed to the people who are truly entrepreneurs, who are um, mission driven, right? That it, it's it's 
it's the lifestyle. It's the, it's the purpose. It's the mission that they're going for that entrepreneurship isn't how, just how they're going to make money. It's how they're going to change the world. So there's no retiring from yeah, that. There's no retiring from that. I really realized that the, the gentlemen or women that I met that had some kind of business they built and they maybe sold it off or their family members keeping it. They still had a foot in it, you know. I realized they're the ones that are still moving and shaking because they felt like they built something they're proud of, you know, like a living organism in a weird way. And so I just, yeah, it's just really interesting. I think entrepreneurship truly is a living organism. Like you're creating a third entity. Um, and so if you see it that way, where it's constantly breathing air into it and building, yes, does it create money for you? Absolutely. But that's why you see entrepreneurs who are like literally billionaires um, constantly keep doing what they're doing. I mean, they don't have to because it's the journey of entrepreneurship that they love. Right. Mark Cuban and there's some other ones. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we could rattle them off. They're out there. And I love that they're very visible um, and talking about what they do. Gary Vaynerchuk's another one that I think of where he is just like, I don't even know how many people know that he sells wine. Like, because he's so about everything else, too. Like, he makes a killing at selling wine, but it's the mission. Yeah. You know, and how to treat people and how to be out there and how to live a good life that he's known for. So So true. Amazing. Amazing. All right, Heather, what I want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead. We're all different. We have different personalities. We have different strengths. There are different things that we're up to in the world. So we're all going to lead a little bit differently. And that's perfect. So how would you describe your leadership style? Thanks for asking this. You know, something that I uh, didn't even know I had, it's kind of an automatic skill set that I had that I realize now looking back in college, um, it was kind of created or pointed out to me, but I didn't understand it at the time. What I'm really good at is what I call leading a conversation, right? So when I lead a conversation in a small group, is like I lead a conversation such that I make sure that every single person is invo- involved in the conversation, moving things forward, and everyone's heard. And I do that automatically. I mean, I do it automatically with my friendships. I do it automatically in small groups. Um, I do it automatically in, in big groups sometimes. But I move the conversation. And so when you're leading, that's part of, I think, leading. When you move the conversation or move the situation over here to the left, to the right, you allow people to have their say in the matter. If not, it's dictatorship. You know, We're going over here. Boom. That's dictatorship. Moving a conversation and allowing people to be heard along the way is leadership. Yeah. And I just had an image in my mind. And the way I think of it is like facilitating the conversation. And a lot of times that what that looks like is looking at a person who might be hanging back a little bit and go, so what do you think about all of this? Mm -hmm. Or how would you do this differently? You know, or, or you say to a group, poke holes in this, this plan looks awesome, poke holes in it. Right. Just, you know, changing the perspective on the conversation to get people more involved. And I, I love that. And I could just envision you doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, it's automatic for me. But it, it it's one of those things I remember in college. I don't know if you experienced this in just small little groups you have like in, in, in college or other areas. You know, it's like break out in groups, people or something like that. Right. And, yes. and they'll go, you know, pick a leader. And it's like inevitable. People look at me. They go like this. I'm like, what? Okay, I'm like, and I'm, these are strangers usually or classmates. And I always was like, why me? Why are you always poking at me? You know what I mean? But I'm looking back and now it's like, it's not automatic because um, I, I just, I kind of carry myself 
as confident, but I'm not going to dictate somebody. That's what they feel mm-hmm. like. Okay. She's not going to be a dictatorship and mean to us. So uh, we want her. And then that was always like, okay, great. I'm leader, but my job is just to have, you know, your voices come through me in whatever the situation is. Right. So that's mm-hmm. how I automatically did it. I don't know where I actually learned that or if I read that, I have no clue, but I do know that that's just how I automatically lead. Mm, that's perfect. And Segwaying right into the next question, Heather, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Thanks for asking this. So, I mean, honestly, um, since 2007, 2008, I rebuilt my own, own business in digital marketing, but only in the last year when I came out with my book, Sexy Boss, that I started to say, hey, I now want to coach people. So I'm right now focused on coaching other individuals, corporate, non-corporate, that want to take their information, their knowledge they've they've created or learned in their business for 20, 22 years or the career, and how do they take that knowledge into the workplace or into the marketplace and sell it? So that's what I'm doing now. Is I'm um, I'm coaching people and I'm loving it because I for a long time I didn't coach people um, mainly because I had just finished the bankruptcy and I had to rebuild my business for myself and now standing on those pillars I can say great I rebuilt this from scratch with with no help you know no no funding no Wall Street money or anything like that you know I built it from scratch from zero up I want to help other people do the same thing so that's what I focus on now is really coaching people one on one specifically. Oh, that's awesome. And is there anything that you're looking to coach them specifically on? I know your book is all about marketing, online marketing, business strategies, that sort of thing. Who, who is the ideal person that, that you love to work with? My ideal person is someone that's probably been in their career and, or in their, um, job or career or business for 20, 22 years, 15 years. And they're saying, Hey, I have this knowledge, right? How do I take this knowledge to the marketplace? What is my market? What's my target market? What's my message to market? How am I going to get that message out to the world such that I can actually sell this information or sell me as an expert to the world? So that's specifically my market. For instance, one of my clients, he has a towing business had for 22 years, and he now comes to me and he's creating an entire academy around that specific field. So that's an ideal client for me. Um, however, at the same time, I mean, I do work with people that just have online businesses and how do I, they take their message to another another level. That, I mean, I've been doing the information marketing business for 15 years. So I'd love to give that knowledge to other people. Yeah. And, and that's one of those places, the internet marketing, where... It it looks so murky and it looks like murky. a bear from, from the outside. It is yeah. murky. <laughs> There's a million different ways you can do it. Right. And I think for a lot of people, they get so frightened of it that they're just like, uh, you know, they they they're okay with dabbling in social media. They might try building their list and then they get stuck. Um, right. That's, so and that's that, one of the things I tell my clients. The first thing that they're supposed to do for 60 days is not buy anything. <laughs> and I don't to buy any courses, right? So like, you should do Facebook ads. You should do YouTube ads. You should do this. You should do this. It's like, the, it comes at you, at you, at you. And so that's yeah. why I work one on, it's one-on-one, not one-on-many, because I'm like, where are you at? Where where are they at? And where do you want to go? And, and how do I take them? And I'm going to let you know that most of the things out there, you don't purchase. You don't go down that road because it's not going to be fit for you. Right. Or, you know, some of these, the, some of these programs, you know, you really want to, you know, talk to somebody, you know, who's done them yeah. 
you know, to, to get the words. Cause you know, I, I have friends who've invested in programs thinking they were going to get the deep dive and they didn't, you know? Yeah. And so you want, you want the tried and true. You want things that people are attesting to and saying, yes, this provides everything that you're looking for. But I also know people who will buy one program after another and never finish right? because they, they're like on before they're done and fully committed, they're on to the next one. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes, you know, and I have a friend who's a coach who, who says people t- you know, typically generically fall into two categories. You either love planning or you love executing. Mm-hmm. And so you'll lean into one and then suddenly like check out when the other one comes around. Yes, that's very true. That's very and that's true. why executing. sometimes, you, yeah, sometimes you need that coach who's going to, you know, hold you to it, either make you do the preparation stage a little bit longer mm-hmm. or hold your feet to the fire to take action, take accountability of what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. Especially, especially with online marketing, because if you just get out there and type in online marketing or how to build a business online, you're just going to get inundated, you yeah. know, and I've been around, I actually have a master's degree in, in uh, online marketing. And I, that's kind of what I do is I hand hold like, okay, don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this first, second, third, fourth, fifth, because if not, you can just get you can just start swirling. I mean, I know I've experienced that myself. Like, you're not sure where to start. So, you know, what is the first main thing you need to do with starting a business? So that's what I really help people do. I love that. So needed. All right, Heather, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? Being a listener. Listening is one thing, but I think listening and recreating them on what they said and said in another way is key. Ah, and I, you know, I love that you said that. And I I have an idea of what you mean. But I know there are some people who are going to be like, what is she talking about? Now there's, there's reflecting back to people, but you're talking about something different. You're, you're saying recreating what they say. What does that process look like? Well, said in another way, it could be saying, repeating what they said, or Mm -hmm. saying it in a way so that they know that you heard what they said, right? Yes. So you're asking me to say it in a different way of what I mean by recreate. Right. Mm, yeah. Okay. Great. Yes. I just did it. I just did it. Okay. So I just recreated for you. So you're just making sure you're basically recreating what they're saying in such a way that they go, yeah, you actually heard what I said. Because mm-hmm. how the human brain works is if they say blah 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 blah, and then you just like give them an answer, or if you you just go, yeah, okay, thanks, and you move on, they feel they feel they are not heard. Right. If mm-hmm. you say what I heard you say is Jody. This is this this right? And they go, yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I said, awesome, boom. They actually feel on a subconscious, conscious level like they're heard, and that their message gets out. They don't want to repeat themselves. You notice that people will repeat themselves over and over and over and over and over again until someone recreates them. And the moment they get recreated, they all of a sudden stop repeating themselves. It's yes. because they don't <laughs> feel like what they're saying is being heard, and they will continue to do it until it, what they call it. They hear it that's repeated back in some way shape or form right so yeah. that's an auditory person so what I do is I'm very good at that and what that does is it allows people to go oh I'm being heard and then it kind of um dissipates the energy like oh okay I can sit back and I feel like I'm being heard this is awesome you know Yep. I'm ready for the next thing. And it really, that practice really helps move the conversation along. You don't get stuck, you know, cause we've all been in that conversation where somebody's repeating themselves or you think you've gotten beyond it and they go back, right? Cause they yeah. still don't feel like you heard them, but recreating it helps to just move the conversation. So you're onto the next point, onto the next point, onto the next point, done. Yes. I love it. All right, Heather, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. 
Ooh, what's this about? I haven't heard this one. Well, it's it's my go-to book on everything. And so Florence Scovelshin was this amazing, I would say a coach. She was a metaphysical healer. She was, um, but in our terms nowadays, she was a coach back in the 20s and 30s, which, you know, women back then didn't have those kind of leadership roles. And she did events and seminars and things like that. And uh, people would come to her for guidance. And she was a metaphysic, like a metaphysical um, energy healer. But inside the book, she actually teaches what I call the laws of the universe and what they are and how to put them into our life on a daily basis. Now, some of the 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 terminology, obviously, you can tell is in the 20s and 30s, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's everything's still relevant. I mean, down to money, our money conversations, how we think about money, money is energy. And it's not just law of attraction, because it's not that piece. It's actually that another level of laws of the universe, like how the universe actually works in the, in, in the world of the law, because I believe that. And she then quotes the Bible to actually support her statements. It's pretty interesting. Wild. Yeah, it's yeah, I'll have to check it it's out. Really great awesome. book. Thank you for it's that. It's easy read too. It's like really easy. And she has affirmations, things like that you can use as well to undo things. Um, but mainly she just, it's a metaphysical book. And it's one of the books that was, I found it on accident when I'm in my 20s. And I now like have it on my book stand and I constantly open it. So The Game of Life and How to Play it by Florence Scovel Shin. Awesome. And Heather, what advice would you give your younger self? So, okay. So what I would tell her is, don't worry, you're unemployable. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like, um, just go be an entrepreneur faster than what you think. <laughs> <laughs> just get, over, it, yeah, get it over, get over with. Um, let it go. You're an entrepreneur. It's, that's what you're supposed to do. It's all good. You know, so that's why I would tell her. <laughs> I love that. All right. And Heather, share with us a success quote and a mantra and why it has meaning for you. So great. So I've shared this before and it's, it's still my go-to on a daily basis. And the quote is, does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? And I'll repeat that. Does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? And that was given to me by Richard Flint, who's a mentor of mine. And that was given to me at a time right after my bankruptcy. And I was swirling around on, on a lot of levels, not sure what direction to do, what direction to go to. I was just constant in a swirl. And I now put that question to everything before I buy a course, before I go in direction with a new business opportunity, before I work with a business partner, before I do a podcast, I, I ask that question, does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? And if you think of that question, um, I'm really in the intentionality. It's kind of like your intuitive self will tell you if that situation will feed your confusion or feed your strength, which is basically your clarity. Basically, will it feed your path or will it feed not your path, right? So that's a question I put to everything. Does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? Perfect. And Heather, lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Best place is my website, heatherhavenwood.com, heatherhavenwood.com. And if you want to get on an introductory call with me, I'd love to talk to you and go to work with Heather, the upper right hand mm -hmm. side. I love that. And for those of you listening, because I know a lot of times you're in the car, you're out for a jog, you know you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. You put Heather's name in the search bar and her the blog post accompanying this episode will pop right up. And Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? 
Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.